0: Hey, it's Tyke here. Um, here with another episode of the podcast. Lucky you guys. <laughs> um, so this is episode seven, and it's gonna be on the topic of support like, support from family and friends, general recovery, and stuff. Um, I think it's a pretty big deal. It makes a big, big difference on your recovery. Um, and I've been very blessed that I've had good family and friends support. Anyway, thanks for... Or you're listening to the Odd One Out podcast, by the way. I'm sure you knew that already. Um, okay, so... I've got a quick quote to start us off. It's by Brian Olshanksi, who's a professor of medicine at the University of Iowa in America. This is like a bit of his quote, not like the whole quote. The data related to men... Let's start again. The data relates to many conditions and health is intricately connected to a sense of well-being and connection to the family, to people in general, to friends, and to nature. All right. I completely agree with that, like completely agree with that because I was pretty much like circling the drain for a little bit there and I've had very, very good family support, friendship support, just loads of people who knew who I was before the accident, just who, um, did a lot after the accident as well. So, thank you to everyone involved. Um, so, I'm just going to rip up a little bit of my plan here. I'm going to switch something around. So, I was still going to say this, but I was just going to say it a bit later. But I'm going to say now instead. Um, so, my family and friends, I'll give you a little bit of insight into that. So, my family have been so, so good throughout this whole thing. Um. So, my mum and Jason. Jason is my stepdad. They've been together when they get married. So, 2007, so... About 11 years now, but anyway, um, I've been speaking to my mum, and she said that, um, Jason at no point in the whole going to the hospital, or seeing me, anything like that, at no point did he ever want to back out or not come and visit me, even at the point where I was supposed to be a vegetable forever. I know that's a word that isn't said much nowadays, cause it's not politically correct. But essentially, I was gonna be a vegetable, like in a wheelchair, just staring off into space. Um. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, so he, he could, he'd never wanted to bag out. He was good. My mum was amazing. Um, she was really good. Um, my granny's come to live with us. And so it was at the start of the year. So I was out of the rehab center and stuff and she was living with us. She's actually an, she used to be a nurse. She's a retired nurse, retired nurse now. Um, But yeah, she used to be a nurse. And so she'd do stuff like make me breakfast, make me lunch, just look after me, like clean my stitches in my head and all that, take me anywhere I need to go, take me into appointments. Just whatever I needed. So. A big thank you must go to her. And a big thank you must go to my brother as well. Because it must have been very, very hard for him. Um, Because. We were just like. Well, I wouldn't. Well. I wouldn't say we were best friends. But. I'm his brother and yes we had a brother relationship we used to do lots of stuff together and then it just all stopped in one second it just stopped so yeah I just wanted to say that so that was really good. So that's most of my family. Oh, but in my family, I can't forget as well. Um, My dad, who actually lives in England, and he has done for years and years and years, but he lives in England, and I think in about a week after the accident or two weeks after the accident, I don't know which it was, He flew over from England to come see me. Even though I didn't really remember anything at the time. Because I was in a coma. Um, He flew over and so I call him Pa. So anyway what I've got written down is. Pa came off a 30 hour flight. And went straight to the hospital. And spent all day with me. Um, so, thank you, Pa. I, I talked on FaceTime about once a week now. I'm keen go see him again. Now, probably next year. Anyway, so that's my family and friends. So, my friends, um were always, always coming to visit me in hospital and the rehab centre. I had this one friend who came to the rehab centre all the time and spent loads of time with me and stuff. And, yeah. So that was good. But then I've also got my, my be, who's my best friend, this guy called Ryan. Um and he came over, he lives in Sydney in Australia so he flew over from Sydney and stayed with my family for about a week and just came and visited me at the hospital and stuff. Big, big thank you Dan. Uh, so, now I'm gonna read you guys something from Head, the Headspace book. It's Headspace book, and it's the chapter uh, which is called Life, Life After Brain Injury, and I guess it'd be called a sub chapter, whatever. It's family slash relationships. This is what it says. Your brain injury will have a big impact on your family, especially if you are experiencing emotional or behavioral problems because of your injury. Families that cope better with a brain-injured member seem to have a more flexible attitude and embrace change, seeing it as a challenge rather than a problem. It helps if there is open communication between all the parties involved, from the person who has had the injury to the family and the professionals involved in the rehabilitation process. The family will also need to have a positive attitude, treating the person with warmth and respect and not seeing him or her as a burden. My family being been really, really good. That's it from our good friends at Headspace. <laughs> I think we'll go back to Headspace quite a bit. It's a really good little book by... Headspace, a handbook on brain injury, written by Claire Freeman and Bernadette Cassidy, who has a PhD. I don't think I could ever get a PhD. Maybe in looking good, but other than that, no. (laughs) All right, so... Just finding a piece. Okay, so. (coughs) Here's a a little bit that I just wrote. For the podcast, actually. I didn't just pick up a pen and start writing randomly. Um, So, my family have been amazing through this whole ordeal. And continue to be so. After a brain injury, it's common to be sensitive to sound. For example, you can't deal with places like noisy restaurants. I know heaps of people who can't deal with loud noises. That doesn't affect me at all. My family treated me exactly the same as before, even in the hospital. I put a great deal of importance on my family for for my lack of sensitivity to sound. At hospital, they took me in a coma and in a wheelchair out of my room and around the hospital and to a cafe. <clears throat> there was a cafe, so you leave the hospital... And you leave the doors and there's a little, like, road, I guess, to the car park. And you keep going across the road and keep going straight and down some stairs. And there's a cafe there, so that's where I was. Um, in the rehab centre, they visited me every single night. Except for one night when they had to come look at the house that I'm in right now. Um, and took me to the pub whenever I was allowed to leave. So at the rehab centre, like at the start of it, I wasn't allowed to leave. But then I was allowed to leave like a couple hours each night. So that's when they took me to the pub when I was allowed to leave. I always loved going to the pub. Who doesn't? The pub's awesome. (laughs) Anyway that anyway every time I say that with anyway with my girlfriend I say (laughs) segue. Okay, so So I've got a couple more quotes for you guys. But then we'll wrap up. So this is a quote from ABC News. Can, su- Can social support help you heal? This is a um, quote from a guy called David Siegel. He's a professor and associate chair of psycho- psychiatry and behavioral sciences at Stanford University. So, this is what he says. This is a, uh, like, yeah, this is what he says. We are social creatures and we manage stresses better when we are not alone with them. I completely agree with that. We, yeah, manage stress is better when we're not alone with them. It's kind of like, uh, especially as like a young male, it's kind of like a, um, stigma, I guess, that you kind of just don't talk about your problems, them up, have fights, all that sort of stuff. But it's so much easier to deal with stress on you if there's other people around. I don't think there's any situation which you could argue otherwise. Anyway, so I've got some stuff from Zemscoff, Z-E-M, or N-E-M, sorry, Nemscoff, I can't read my own writing, Nemscoff.com. Here's some of the key insights, so I've got a couple points of notes to write out, to read out evidence shows that welcoming families into the patient room is good for patients, family members, caregivers and healthcare organizations. Family is another point. Family support during treatment is linked to pay higher increased patient satisfaction scores. So from that one, they're kind of just telling us stuff that we already know, like, is seems pretty self-explanatory, but there's obviously an internet article out there that says that, so people don't know that. And the part where it goes welcoming families into the patient room. If you were like me and read on a little bit, you'd know that um, welcoming patients in the family room, That's they say that because it, not long in the days when visiting hours used to be really short, used to be super short, and the parents could only see you between, let's say, for example five and six and that's a one hour a day to see their son or their husband or wife or daughter or whatever and it didn't matter if you're there like mom or wife or husband or whatever or dad or anything So, yeah, that's why they put that in there. They're saying, like, the increased patient hour, visiting hours are so much better. Now, they, um, they make new situations, like, they have a farnell room, which in New Zealand, in Māori, is family room in the hospital so and they set up beds for the family and all that sort of stuff anyway um no that was my podcast so thank you all for listening to the odd one out podcast um yeah thank you hope you enjoyed it I'll speak to you again soon. Catch you later. Bye.